everybody, on this week of um, this new guys talking sports, we're going to get into some sports that actually did take uh, that did take place this weekend with the UFC. Uh, we're still waiting on baseball, and we're still waiting on basketball to see if they can return. And we talk about a little bit of NFL and tap it off with. Uh, Michael Jordan's 30 for 30, The Last Dance. All of that and a little bit more in jokes on this week of Guys Talking Sports. Hey everybody, welcome to another edition of Guys Talking Sports, where we are here on week nine of um, Stay at Home Life. Um, the world of sports is still, for the most part, shut down, but things are slowly starting to loosen up a little bit. Um, different leagues are starting to make preparations, gauge players' interest on their feelings as far as whether or not they're ready to play sports or whether or not they're even willing to complete or even finish a season. So we're starting to see the little trickles of some things um, going on. But um, as of right now, sports as we know outside of the UCF this past weekend has still been on hiatus. So um, as always here with my boys, Alan Ace, guys, how are you doing tonight? Oh, man. Um, <laughs> yeah, starting off with Eon. <laughs> you know how it goes, dude. It's a hump day and uh, I'm slugging through, man. You know, first day of the new gig, but didn't really do much. But tomorrow's gonna be kind of crazy. Yeah, nah, I hear you, man. It's like it's like one of those days where it's just blah, and I'm just ready to recharge for the next day. But I'm ready to get started and talk about some sports, the lack thereof. So <laughs> let's get, let's talk about the lack of sports that are out there. Lack thereof is probably using the best word for it. So let's get right into it. Um, so over the last week or two, there's been definitely, really the last um, several days, um, a lot of the major sports leagues have been, I guess, testing the waters, engaging some interest. M- MLB has put out a, um, the owners have approved the proposal to get play started probably as um, sometime by July 4th. Um, obviously, there's going to be, possible 83 games um you know a suggestion or a proposal of a 50 50 revenue split um with some monies or and a salary cap which the league hasn't had a salary cap so that's very interesting nba adam silver um put out a um put out a survey to the players um anonymous as is as far as if the players interests are do they want to start um, a season on again and finish, or do they not? Um, the the NFL, for the most part, is still operating as, you know, they're still going to, you know, open up as is as of right now. And actually, UCF had their first, um, the, the first um, pay-per-view event this weekend, which I did watch. So, um, and different governors as far as Florida, Agent told me earlier, Arizona have both saying that their respective states sports can't open um, as um, as soon as now or as early as this weekend. So, guys, um, given the climate, you know, the way things are, the numbers are still where they're at. Um, do you think, let me rephrase this, how do you, what do you think about the different governor's um, proposals as far as um, sports as a whole for the different leagues? going on and do you think is a good idea um, i i i will pass on to you sir <laughs> I, I have my comment was a question to the question so maybe you might say something maybe i don't have to ask my question okay. <laughs> um my, in my humble opinion i just believe that with everything that's going on um i think that the, both the Florida governor and the Arizona governor, I think that this is more of a revenue opportunity for them um, where they can bring all the NBA, I mean, NBA, all the sports teams um, together. I think Florida at this stage, it's, I'm not saying it's a smart move, but I, it, it, in a way it's a business move um, because they can house a lot of sports uh, teams. Um, they can house both like, to be honest, they can house both 
the NFL, all of the teams, pro sports teams. Um, right now, they're currently kind of doing it with, like, for example, even though it's sports entertainment with the WWE because they're everybody's performing in the performance center out in Florida. Uh, so it's – I could see that happening. Um, I just think it's a business move at this stage. Um, it doesn't hurt to ask this, the, the, the um, commissioners, hey, look, we have this here where – you bring all the NBA teams, you bring all the MLB teams, you bring all the NFL teams, we house them in one, you know, one particular area, one particular area, one particular area. And, you know, whoever plays, you know, however the schedule fits, you can have one team be stay at one hotel, one team stay at another, whatever the case may be, and can be can, can consolidate it into one particular area location. Um, so I think this is more of a business move, not saying it's the best move, but it's something to get sports going. And I could see other states out there thinking of that, you know, they say, hey, look, who's the best state right now that can provide this and still provide the entertainment and get revenue in the, from, from it as well? Because, you know, the team's going to have to stay at hotels. They're going to have to utilize some location for them to play uni- in you you know in one location um it can be done um if done right and if there's a proposal out there i'm pretty sure florida arizona some of the southern states where it's warm already um can gener- can benefit from this so it's a business move that from a business aspect it's not a bad idea uh i feel you on that i guess my question was at the moment was this a is this a decision just based off of revenue opportunities or is this a, a decision that was based off of science and fact, knowing that played in Arizona and in Florida, uh, the likeliness of the, the virus not spreading uh, will be less in those warmer climates. So that's, that's my question. That's- bottom, <laughs> bottom line, it's a revenue. It's not even science behind it. It's a revenue opportunity because that's what they're thinking. They're not thinking from the fact that, you know, the virus will lessen because if they did, they still wouldn't open up to, you know, their, the rest of their businesses, the rest of the beaches, they wouldn't open up anything. They would find a way to focus directly on um, minimizing the risk involved. But as of as it stands right now, they're not even thinking about that. It's more so from a revenue standpoint. So I believe that, I'm, it's just my opinion. I believe that they're they think of it from a revenue standpoint. It's a quick way and a, a revenue. The revenue is there where you can house everything in one state, and the opportunity is there for them that they can push to make some type of proposal for it to work. Uh, I agree with you because uh, I was listening on the radio this way uh, this evening on my way home from work, and they were saying that. For NFL team, you need at least a spot where 300 people, probably at the max, could be able to house. That includes players, staffing, coaching, NFL folks that do the the inside work, the people who do, you know, whatever you want to call those that actually work for the team. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they all have to be housed in one hotel, um, and you know, the first place to come off the bat for me is like Orlando because there's a ton of hotels all over the damn place. I mean, you could do it with Disney shut down right now. Yeah, it's a possibility. Yeah, but then you still need uh, you still need uh, facilities to play. Oh, excuse me. Still need facilities to play games. Mm-hmm. And again, you know, plenty of universities and things of, of that nature in that area that has football teams where games can be played and I guess they could be bused to their locations. Um, so, yeah, you're right. Um, it's definitely doable. Uh, just don't know. Uh, <laughs> if that does take place, then yes. Is it a, is it a, is it a greed thing? I'm sure it's probably greed because uh, there's no other, other way to go around it. Other than greed, <laughs> yeah, you know, because if the NFL pulls this off, then who's next to sit there and want to do the same thing? And MLB, uh, 
because what all all of the MLB teams have their mate their uh, spring training facilities like in the Tampa Bay uh, Tampa Bay Tidewater Tidewater area in Arizona. I'm not particularly sure where in Arizona, but I guess it, it is doable. You know, it's it's still kind of scary when you sit there and think about it, but it's it's very much doable. Yeah, I'm with you guys. I mean, is is it agreed in a, well, let me say, a business decision? Yes, whether or not it's a smart move, you really won't know until something actually happens or when they do or if they're able to kind of get some games in based on the prospective leagues. Um, for me, I think it's it was inevitable. I mean, uh, when you look at the UFC, Florida was already letting, you know, the WWE, you know, play at the arena. Um, the UFC... And I watched that series, and the way that they had it, I mean, they basically tested everybody prior before they got in, um, everybody that was around the oh. I think we lost the video. Yeah. I mean, the, the audio. The audio was gone, yeah. Yeah. It was a midstream, too. I know. <laughs> <laughs> He's going to lay down some valid points. Yeah. No, but uh, I do... Me? Yeah, now. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, yeah, the headset shut off for me. Anyway, what I was saying was that um, for the most part, um, uh, it's, it was inevitable. I mean, the UFC was able to pull it off with people wearing masks around the octagon. You know, the referee didn't have a mask on, but most of the people, you know, around there did. Even the um, person that introduced different people, uh, Michael Buffer, he didn't have a, a mask on, but they were able to test everybody that came in prior and even when I tested negative. And there was one person that tested negative. He wasn't even allowed to even come down and even compete. So, but then again, the UFC is a much smaller entity. Right. You have central control with, um, with the owner where, you know, basketball, baseball, football has a lot more moving parts. So I'm like, I think it's inevitable. I think UFC kind of, Build the model how you might approach it where you're going to have to sequester, you know, maybe several teams, like you said, Ace, in one place. Maybe some teams can be able to play at their respective states, but they might have to stay close, you know, proximity to one hotel, can't go home. If they are going home, everyone has to be constantly tested. But right. I think you're going to start seeing where not everybody can play at home. There's probably going to be some people that are going to be able to play at home with other teams maybe coming on board and keeping people sequestered to be able to get sports done. It's a it's a business thing. I knew this was coming up. It was just not eventually if, but if it was when. And as I've always said, sh short of a vaccine and that vaccine everybody willing to take, you know, it's going to be this risk. I mean, what's not to say that in the summer stuff goes down, but then – when the fall comes, like October, November, everybody's going to be panicking about whether or not it's going to reemerge. Maybe it reemerges. We just don't know. I think it's going to be an inherent risk. I think that, you know, it's going to affect sports for the near future until some type of vaccine or something where people can take it and kind of get over quickly is, uh, is out there. But I think safety is first. But I think this is eventual... Florida and Arizona is the two states now. I'm pretty sure more states within the next, you know, few weeks are going to give out the green flag and say, hey, bring us your business. I think, I think if it happens, it's going to be a bummer. I also think that teams will have to stay within their regulated hotels and they'll have to stay there for the, however long the preseason is and the duration of their season. I think they will have a bye week. I also think that if I had to guess, teams will set it up so that families could be there. And when I say families, it has to be like, if you're not, if you're married, it could be your wife, it could be a kid, that's it. If you ain't got nobody, then you're on your own, Jack. You know what I'm saying? You ain't having no immediate family, you ain't having no friends come visit you, ain't nothing. You know, because they can't, they don't have the luxury of having so many outside contacts coming in and possibly passing on the, the spread of the virus and then contaminating a particular team or hotel or 
however due to however it goes but you know when you got when you got all that type of money housed in these different types of hotels whether it be the 300,000 or the 400,000 a year player or the 50 15 or 20 or 30 million dollar player hoes lurk they'll find a way <laughs> yeah and it's not like they they're paying for the hotel bill or fitting the footing for the hotel bill the team's going to definitely take care of them um I think that more so the fact that, I mean, because I just, for the family, immediate families, I could see them staying at like maybe another alternate hotels. I don't see them staying at the actual hotel with, um, it's probably going to be at their, at their, at their leisure, at their choice. If they want to come, they can come. If not, it's not a big deal. Um, but to be honest, I don't really see a lot of the immediate families following um, the players to, as a risk involved. I think that, they'll be more needed to just stay home or stay where they are um, until this all blows over. So I think it's just going to be the players themselves uh, at this stage. And I think that they have what it takes to, if, you know, if something was to happen and someone does um, come down with it, they can self-quarantine themselves. I don't see them anybody sharing a room um, at this right. stage, you know, like they, gotcha. like they would do it for the, um, for the preseason, you know, not preseason, but for like the, um, the combines or anything like that, um, the OTAs or anything like that, I see them isolate, everybody being isolated for the most part. I see those hotels that don't have enough rooms and accommodations, like those undrafted free agents or those whomever that come in, they may take over uh, uh, meeting rooms or not even meeting rooms, uh, banquet rooms. Hmm. They set them up like hospital beds and stuff like that and have it set up where they're curtained off, where they'll all have their own individual space so that they can accommodate people. And as they get cut, you know, they'll break that down so that they can all stay in a hotel and be comfortable where they all have their own room. Yeah. You see that happening. Or if there's suites, I was just about to they say. can have their own room within a suite. Mm -hmm. But they can't really congregate too tough in the common areas, you know what I mean? Yeah, I was thinking like the embassy suites, for example, mm -hmm. um, where you have a living room and a bedroom. Right. Um, they can make it something as of home, um, some way, say, before, instead of just like a regular hotel room. So. That or if, if, if it's more like an embassy suite sort of thing, maybe if they're married, they may be able to put a family there so that the family is there. But, you know, it's it makes things terribly difficult. Just because from a standpoint that, you know, they're pretty much, they're, they're not going to be allowed to go anywhere. They're going to have to eat their meals there. They're going to have prepared meals. Everything they need is right there. They're never, ever going to be able to leave the hotel. True. And to, yeah. be, honest, to be honest, it can't happen because if they have it catered or whatever the case, they can just drop it off at the door and do contact, mm -hmm. contact uh, I mean, contactless delivery. So yeah. it, it is available. And um it's just a matter of that is that part of the contingency plan that they have in place. Yeah, and that's a bigger part of whether the players and you know per se want to go through that. I mean, um, are the players going to be willing to sequester themselves up there um, for you know an extended period of time? You're thinking about what baseball proposing 82 games. I mean, how you know what's that? You know, three or four months. You know, how many players are going to be willing to just, you know, to have families, you know, basically isolate themselves from their families for about three or four months? I mean, some people that don't have any families or whatever made more, made more willing to. How about that? I mean, football is one thing because you have, you know, what, you know, a shorter time span. I mean, it's no, it'd be the same thing because yeah, same thing. Yeah. yeah, same thing. Yeah, but um, played in a week as opposed to yeah. But I don't know. That's I mean, yeah, it, it's doable. Um, it's just how they're going to handle the testing, and you know, what's people' comfort level at the end of the day going to be with actually going back and playing, knowing that you're going to have this stuff out there and is, and it hasn't really been solved, you know, totally yet. Yeah. And to the, only, the only thing I can sit there and say is there's one thing as a as an athlete where you're quarantined within your own home and your own home, even at the minimum, is a condo, if you know, or a townhouse that's 1,500, 2,000 square feet versus you're in a hotel that's now 300 square feet. 
that cabin fever sets in real quick when you got to stay in a hotel room for about a week or two weeks versus you got levels or, you know, floors that you can escape to within your own personal home. I think that's where the challenge really is going to lie. <laughs> but, yeah, but I also think that they've been through it before. I mean, as much as uh, pro athletes travel all the time, I think they can adjust and adapt to it. Um, the question is really to what extent. Uh, that's where that comes into play, to what extent. Um, but if they're trying to get that check and trying to make those teams, you know, they'll do whatever it takes. Yeah. Man, that almighty dollar is the, uh, you know, it's going to uh, be the mainstay. If yeah. you broke, that, that, that check looked real nice. <laughs> <laughs> Without question. Without question. Well, um, I, I, the only thing I can say is, is that, I mean, I get, I like I said, it's a revenue thing, um, but I, I don't know if I now that I'm thinking about it, I don't, I don't know if I see all sports going to be in one particular location. Um, I can see it being divvied out to other locations as well. Um, the question is, is that will everybody, again, will the athletes be okay with it? Will they agree to it? Um, I know that MLB has a players union, correct? Yes. Okay. So, for in the my most opinion, part, the strongest player play, player union around. So then, for the most part, that's something that all player. In, I mean, the players union are going to have to agree no matter what on all sports. Mm-hmm. So, so let me ask this question because I know that the um, major, you know, major leagues want to start the season. The owners already approved a, a, a proposal to the players implementing a salary cap, trying to sneak that one in. I'm not sure if this is just for this year. Or is this to um, redo the CPA moving forward? But what are your feelings about them trying to slide that salary cap thing in? And do you think it would be a bad look if the players, you know, you know, scoffed at that? You know, basically this is revenue now and moving forward. Do you think that would be a bad look, or should they just take a deal to get paid? I mean, to play, eventually getting paid, and try to finish out the season. You talking about baseball players? Yeah. Nah, baseball players ain't gonna take no. Trust me, they they had the strongest damn union in all the professional sports. They they ain't agreeing to no damn salary, uh, <laughs> to no uh, salary cap at all. So uh, yeah, they can forget about that. <laughs> uh, yeah, you. I know Ace is the baseball expert on this. I. The question is, is that why would they do it unless the owners would or, you know, the GMs would take some considerable risk and do the same thing, which I highly doubt that they would. So why would the players do it at this stage? They ain't doing shit. <laughs> I, agree. I mean, I agree. I, I, I give the owners credit because I know the owners have been trying to find a way to get a salary cap in there to kind of, you know, level the playing field for about 90% of the, you know, the league. There's that 10%, you know, the the Red Sox, the, you know, the Yankees, the Dodgers that, you know, probably don't want that salary cap, but everybody else does. But um, if I'm the players, I, I'm with you. I don't do anything that's going to jeopardize your current and future earnings. But give the owners credit for trying to slide that one in there because they want to try to get public perception on their side. They're not doing that, you know, you know, in the in the trade talks and you know in the room. They're trying to do this out in the open so they can get the the public to say, hey, everybody else is taking, you know, dips and pays and people are on, you know, getting unemployment, not getting their checks, but you guys are squabbling over money. But it's that damn salary cap. I think they'll be okay with the 50-50 split for this season, but it's a salary cap that's gonna be the one stickling point. It's gone forever. Stay the stickling for you at this stage. <laughs> and I personally do not believe that was the whole point of in Major League Baseball coming up with that luxury tax. You know, saying you stay within this threshold, you don't. You can you can go as far over as you want. You're just gonna get a hell of a tax. <laughs> and those who got the money will sit there and deal with the tax, and those who don't will sit there and be paupers. <laughs> you know what I'm so <laughs> this is what they agreed to and I'll be damned but just because of some pandemic is coming around that these players are going to sit there and say what you going to cut my coin no 
<laughs> the, you can modify my coin, but you damn sure ain't gonna cut my coin. <laughs> if we only play 82 games, I'm willing to take half my salary based on the games played. But oh, yeah. no way in hell is you gonna sit there and give the team salary cap, which means you're just gonna you're gonna uh, <laughs> well you know what? Now that I say that out loud. <laughs> now that he says it out loud. <laughs> Ah, so okay. So let me, <laughs> let, me, let, me, let, me let me hold on. So in other words, players want their contract regardless of how many games played. Personally, okay. They shouldn't go for a salary cap, no. But I also believe that I understand that this is something that's beyond players, organizations, sports is control. And as a one-time solid, players should maybe sit there and say it'll take a modified salary, but not agree to some sort of salary cap. There we go. Uh, it, the question is, is the salary cap for just for this season? No, because Major League Baseball will sit there and say, well, look how efficient this was. Why don't we just include this for, you know. For, oh, I see where you're going with that. Nah, okay. they, they ain't going for it. <laughs> they be like, see? <laughs> it worked for you. <laughs> they be like, dope. <laughs> they got bad boozle. <laughs> nah, they ain't trying to go for that. <laughs> like, yeah, like, I, I, I agree with you, Wace. I mean, I'm pretty – They'll take a modified salary prorated based on because they're not playing 100 and some odd games in 82 game in an 82 game season. In my personal opinion, I think it'd be a little bit more exciting because uh, be a lot more you know chips on the table because you're cutting off what 20 games? <laughs> Wait, huh? You're cutting off half. 82. What is it? What is it? One. You play 160. Um, oh, right. So, yeah. So. So each game will actually count. It's not going to be like how you start and you kind of can sleepwalk through a, a month or two right. <laughs> and still be in position. No, every Straight every sport. game count. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, uh, nah. Oh, and besides that, I think they're talking about expanding the playoffs. The playoff. Um, the playoff seedings, like 14 teams or something like that, they want to add more pe- more teams, at least this season, maybe or moving forward into the playoffs, which I think is like, eh, I don't like that. Uh, for, more money, is more games, is more TV revenue. So that's where they're going. Yeah, but I can see it for just this season only because baseball, baseball, unlike any other sport, is streaky. You know, like basketball, you can sit there and play C-level, B-minus level basketball, kind of coach your way into the playoffs, and then you know if you got a great squad, can turn it up and then do what you need to do. Baseball, you have teams that can start out 15-1, and 20-1, and one, and finish the season 25-102, and 102, you know, just because they shitty for the rest of the damn season, but started <laughs> off hot as hell. <laughs> so like I, almost was, I can see, like, kind of rewarding those teams who – played pretty decently for that time frame. And if they had more time and more opportunity, might have made the playoffs, but due to the pandemic, it was cut short. So I can see adding a, a team or two more per per conference or per, per division to kind of give a little bit more excitement for those because they, those same teams that probably would, would have gotten dropped off due to their record can mess around and win the damn thing just because they got lucky this one season. Uh, in this particular instance, I guess I, I, I play devil's advocate. Um, I don't think that they need it. I'm just being devil's advocate at this moment. Um, I think that at this stage, if it ain't broke, don't fix. Um, you can modify the, the, the salaries and everything like that. But as far as the game's concerned, um, the game season hasn't started yet. If it happened during the midst of the um, um, season, the MLB season, I could see that, similar to the NBA. Um, but there's no reason to, for them, whatever it starts, they should do it from there and just continue on. I mean, if it's 20 games that was missed from the MLB from teams, so be it at this stage. I think that it's just, to be honest, it might make it, I'm not saying it will, but it might make it a little bit more exciting because they know from the day one they don't have time to slack. 
they have to make sure that they're on point because their record counts. Um, we're starting to see that a lot with a lot of sports teams now. So you don't have 20 games to, to, to make up for it. You have to make sure that your team, everybody's on the same page right then and there because you don't have those 20 games. You know, those 20 games, however, whether it's wins or losses, is going to matter no matter what. You got to make sure you win as most games as possible. Whoever has the best record during that time needs to move on to the playoffs. And it shouldn't be an increase in the playoffs because at this stage, I think that whoever's there is there. Fair game for anybody. So is this more – was that statement more geared to NBA or MLB? Well, to be honest, it's geared to both at this stage. Um, I, if the season ended, I wouldn't be upset about it. If they said, you know what, the season is officially over, playoffs starts now, whoever's in the, 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 whoever's in the seedings, um, in the conferences, they're just going to make it to the playoffs. I get it that a team that may be in ninth place has a one-loss record and could have made it if they had played two or three more games. But at the moment, the games that you lost matter. And at this stage, you should be in a position to know that you have to have a great record going forward because you never know. And it could be a lesson learned at this stage. So I, I say it for both teams. I'm that type of person where if I didn't make it, there's no reason for, play, for me to play five more games if I didn't make it, if I'm still in my place. If I didn't make it, I didn't make it. But that's just my opinion. Now, like I said, just playing devil's advocate. Hmm. Uh, you're muted. <laughs> well, it's definitely going to be interesting to see what happens. I mean, the you know, proposal, if approved, would start baseball, I think, at the soonest July, but what kind of form or fashion that'll all be seen. Um, but we can talk about that another time. Um, switching gears, um, NFL, which actually has the luxury of kind of sitting back and watching everything go chaotic for a while. Um, I think right now their games are still in flux, but they are probably, in my opinion, seated in the best position because their season doesn't officially start until September. Um, you have your preseason games, but they said they already can adjust their preseason games and even adjust the Super Bowl, you know, move it back. I mean, move it ahead a couple of weeks based on when they started. But the money is always a big thing. And Dak Prescott still has not been signed to a long-term contract. Um, there's been some questions about whether or not paying one player um, – top salary will um, prohibit a team from winning a championship. So from my opinion, guys, do you think that paying a quarterback, you know, making the highest paid player in the league is ultimately going to cost the team to not win a championship or not win, period? Mm, uh, not necessarily. Um, where teams that have the number one where you have a, uh, the most of your money sunk into a quarterback and they still win the championship. I believe Joe Flacco with the Ravens was one of those type of quarterbacks where a majority of the money was kind of sunk onto him and they still managed to win a, a Super Bowl or two. So I think that's a bunch of malarkey. You know, I, I never heard an NFL team saying that they're trying to use analytics as far as paying somebody. Um, but that's where they're here nor there. Personally, I think Dak should go ahead and take that money. It's guaranteed money. Stay healthy and see what you can do. I mean, don't go out there and jeopardize yourself to make less money moving forward because you're trying to do things in spite of the situation. Go out there and ball out and Push comes to shove. They got their Pro Bowl quality backup uh, QB, and you just take your talent somewhere else. Completely agree. Um, like at this stage, you obviously know what you're worth now with the Cowboys. Uh, the question is now is that how you're going to respond? And I think Dak needs to understand that at this stage, the writing is basically on the wall telling you exactly what you need to do. Now the question is whether you're going to follow that advice or you're going to accept, you know, or the question is, is really what are you going to do and how are you going to respond to it? Um, 
only time will tell. But I agree with Ace completely. That cousins out. <laughs> yeah, no, I, was, I was just about to say that. I was just about to say that. You you still have options. So I do what's best for you. That's the only thing I could say for that. Do what's best for you and handle the situation accordingly. That's all I could say. I am right there with you. I think the Cowboys, the way they've handled this contract negotiations, I think these are a lot to be desired. Um, I think at the end of the day, the Cowboys will come to him with a final offer, um, whether he desires – whether he chooses to sign it or not is on him, but I think they don't want to reset the market with him um, because they don't, there's still question marks about him. Um, to me, I don't think, you know, paying your, having a quarterback taking out that much of your salary, I don't think doesn't prohibit you from, from, um, from winning. Um, but I think you have to be careful who gets the money. It shouldn't always be about the next guy up gets to reset the market. Um, you have to be careful who you pay. Um, now, when Patrick Mahomes' time comes up, you know, we know he's going to get his contract, you know, without question. It's not going to be what kind of – it's going to be the money <laughs> in the long term. So, um, so if I'm Dak, you know, you don't like the franchise tag. You are going to get 30-some-plus million, you know, this year to play. I mean, if you can work it like, you know – Kirk Cousins, and that's just saying if things go as bad as they did do with the Cowboys, like they went with the Redskins. The Redskins were never totally sold on them. They were willing to give them 20 plus to 30 million a year just to have on a franchise tag, and they didn't want to sign to a long term deal. And then he wound up with Minnesota with 88 million guaranteed. So is Dak willing to bet on himself if this goes that route? Maybe. I still think the Cowboys are going to give him a deal, is not going to be what he wants. Maybe they'll say we'll give you one dollar more than Carson Wentz. That'll make you feel happy. But then, <laughs> then when Patrick Mahomes, <laughs> you know, and Lamar Jackson and, and um, Deshaun Watson come in, they're just gonna blow whatever he gets out the out the water, especially Patrick Mahomes. Oh, Deshaun! It's what Watson and Mahomes are uh, due for the the new contract, right? Watson is due. He can sign a contract extension this year coming up. Patrick Mahomes wouldn't be until the following year. It's interesting enough that Houston got rid of DeAndre Hopkins. And I guarantee they're going to sit there and kind of follow how he does this year and try to then say, well, you know what? First couple of years don't mean shit. You know, you didn't do well this year. We're not trying to pay you. And that's going to be such a kick in the pants, you know, such a such a, a horrible way for him to to get out of Houston. But it may work out in his favor because there'll be some teams next year that are going to be looking for high quality uh, quarterbacks, and one of those squads will probably be New England and some other squads. So I say, I say Dak, I say Deshaun, go out there and ball out this year, and you'll have to look at the the lick of the litter uh, to to make a decision because San Diego still is open. Then I said L.A. is still uh, – or, or Vegas is still not completely set. There's tons of teams out there. Hell, the 49ers may not even want to sign uh, Garoppolo to a long-term deal after next season. But, <laughs> Never know. No, I, I agree with that. But I can, I, uh, I, I can really see that. <laughs> what a oh. question. You can see a, you can see a, and then that would just make New England the seed because they're like, well, we'll just take Garoppolo on back, <laughs> and then all is right in the world. <laughs> so who knows? Completely agree. Completely agree. Um, but while we're on the subject of quarterbacks, um, before we move on, um, real quick, um, Cam is still open. What are your thoughts on that? I'm just curious. Because he is still available. He's gonna go to Jacksonville. That's my that's my guess. He's gonna end up in Jacksonville. Cause they have uh I forget they got the, the old quarterback from Tennessee, Cribs or whatever his name was, Joshua something the other. And then they got Minshew, and that's it. And I'm not saying that 
Jacksonville is trying to win the uh, hell, try to make it to the playoffs, but you can't tell me that Cam can't beat out those two bums. <laughs> so pay the man some eight million dollars, let him ball out, and then hey, it become a free agent, and then he'll have to look at you know pick at the litter his damn self as well. It's gonna be a nice, robust quarterback uh, quarterback picking for next year. Yeah, I'm not surprised that Cam has not been signed yet. Um, I, if he doesn't get signed sometime during training camp, or if he doesn't get signed by training camp, then I don't think he's playing the rest of this this upcoming season. And um, I don't know where he lands up at. I mean, that tells you a lot. And I mean, the Carolina Panthers could have did Cam a, a huge favor and made this decision months ago before all the, you know, spots got, you know, spots got taken up. Um, Doing it now after everybody got their, you know, got their seats, you know, I mean, that's just, I don't know if that was just being vain or was that a good, I don't know. It's just, it's hard for me to see him going anywhere and not start. He's going to have to come off his perch and accept the backup role wherever he goes. But it could be somebody in training camp that gets hurt. It could be a quarterback. It could be within the first few weeks that gets hurt, like a la Ben Roethlisberger or a la Aaron Rodgers a few years ago. But they all have, you know, some kind of competent QB. But I don't know. He's, I At this point, if like I said, if he's not signed sometime by training camp, I don't think Cam plays this, this upcoming season. I only see him going somewhere – in a scenario where a team has a QB that gets hurt and a team has a legitimate shot to make playoffs. And they need some star power and a, and a, and a, and a battle-tested QB who's been down this road before to continue on with that drive. I'm, I'm going to be honest with you. Uh, like, to be honest, I agree. I, I don't see him, to be honest, in training camp. I see him more, to be honest, I see him in a broadcast booth before I see him in, in a uniform at this stage. I'm not saying it as a retirement. I'm just saying that I could see him being as part of something like Fox or, you know, sports or something where he's an analyst. Um, and then, like you said, if something was to happen to a QB, then I could see somebody bring him, bringing him there for a tryout. That's where I see it going. I don't see it where he's an immediate um, selection for a QB, even in the backup role or a, a third string um, backup role at this stage. I really believe that. Um, and I see where you're going with Jacksonville, but I just don't see them trying to pay out, kick out money for him at this stage. At this point, he already came out and said that he's willing to take backup money. So if you're trying to get backup money, glorified backup QB is only $8 million. This is true. You know, you ain't getting paid no super super money. And Cam don't necessarily need the money. You know, if he's just trying to go out there and just be that man and ball out, then take whatever contract you had, you get beat out whoever the competition is and just go out there and ball out. And then at the end of the season say, F you, I'm going to go over there and pay him. Hmm. Unless, you know, that contract comes in and they pull a Michael Vick for Cam and they do what the Eagles did and sign him to a ridiculous $100 million contract. Then, you know, you got to go with who's paying. <laughs> yeah, this is all messed up for Cam because this pandemic could have came at the worst time because he's not able to get into anyone's training facilities. He's not able to work out for anybody to show that's everybody true. that that shoulder and that ankle is good. And I think out of all stuff, that's the biggest red flag. I mean, his mouth is a red flag, but you can kind of – teams will overlook the mouth as long as their production and the ability is still there. But you can't even get in to see the man to kind of make sure that, okay, he's good. It's going to make most people like wince and, you know, no pun intended, just kind of wince and be like, ah, I'll take my chances and wait. <laughs> right. Well, it'll be interesting to see. Yeah. Oh, I have one question before I know we're coming up on time. Uh, real quickly, the thoughts on uh, The Last Dance episodes. Uh, Seven and eight. 
I'll let you. I'll let you. I, no, I was gonna say I'll let you go first. Uh, okay, I'll. Uh, I will say this: this whole docu series, even though they they released it several months, a couple months earlier, has been quite fascinating. But the last two episodes just really crystallized one thing: that Jordan was an asshole in practice. <laughs> I've heard stories about how tough he was in practice and getting into fights with players and teammates, but to hear him just straight up, you know, call some of the teammates Sam Burrell, hold this and pitch that. And I mean, we've heard some stuff. We played, you know, pickup games and basketball. So it's just like, like, damn, dude, you was really almost, it was almost like a bully mentality mm-hmm. um, to some of his players. But the method to his madness, which I think, the way they were trying to frame it, he's trying to frame it. There was a method to this madness. The way that he operated was to, I guess, toughen up his team and toughen up his squad because it's like, you know, you want to compete at the highest level that we're competing at. You know, we've been through the fires. We've been tested with, you know, the battles with the Detroit Pistons, our ongoing battles with the New York Knicks. So he's trying to toughen those guys up, saying, if you can survive me, and I can trust you. We can survive playing those other teams. So I don't agree with, with all of his approaches, but the <laughs> man make it real tough to play for. Did you did you find Jordan to be human when he was when he said that line? You know, talk about you know this is the way I played, and you know I did this to 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 do what I need to to do to motivate my team, and you can see he's tearing up because. He understands. Maybe he doesn't truly understand that he's a jerk. Or he's an ass. You know, he's a difficult teammate. But he did this to push the players to become the teams that, you know, he molded them to become. And maybe he's remorseful. And uh, in that, you know, 20 some odd years later or 30 some odd years later? Uh, I know. Are you asking me? I'm either. Uh, in general, Michael Jordan is a narcissistic bully, bottom line. <laughs> Ain't even nothing else to say about it. Um, he felt as though that whatever he did, um, people should surround come around him, not knowing that everybody is, you know, is not that type of person. Um, where they'll just gravitate towards you if you act a certain way. Um, it worked for him, so I'm not gonna not deny that. It worked for him because if it mot- whatever it did to somehow twistedly motivated him to come better and trust his teammates more. And to be honest, that was the biggest issue that they, he, that's why he couldn't get over the hump because he was trying to do everything himself and not able to put some trust on his teammates um, outside of Scottie Pippen. So I think that in his way, it was a lesson learned from him mm-hmm. um, all in all, but you know, everybody has their own way of doing things um, to reach perfection. I think, to be honest, what I learned from this is that majority of the teammates that came after this whole ordeal or, um, like, for example, championships four, five, and six with Tony Kukoc, perhaps, um, Dennis Rodman, perhaps, like some of those further down the rules that won the last championships, I figured that it was more so that if I need to win a championship, I need to know exactly how he does it. and if he's yelling at me, maybe I need to work on myself to be better. And I think that f- with the right people around them, I think, to be honest, we, it makes me also realize that we don't give Phil Jackson enough credit. Because let's be honest, even though Michael Jackson was on the court, Phil Jackson had to keep it all together. You mean Jackson or Jordan? No, no. I'm sorry. Even though Michael Jordan was on the court, Phil Jackson had to keep that group together. Like the handling with Dennis Rodman, you know, with him leaving and, you know, his things with Scottie Pippen. I thought, I mean, to be honest, the one thing I got out of that is that Phil Jackson was a little bit more underrated to put, to keep this together. I mean, we talk about Jordan all the time, but I think Phil Jackson to keep it all together was, is pretty, uh, it's very under, undervalued in my opinion. Yeah, I agree with you on that with Phil Jackson. Definitely underrated. A lot of people saying he had the luxury of having Kobe and, and Shaq and Mike and Scotty and, you know, Dennis and all those teams. But you have some personalities that he had to deal with to get them to win. And, you know, enough credit is not given to not just being the coach, being a goddamn camp counselor <laughs> with them squads. Well, question. Um, but, Ace, yes, it – 
at the end, I think this whole series does humanize them a bit. Um, a lot of these stories I've heard in the past about, you know, the gambling stuff with his dad, um, how tough he was in practice. They're saying practice was, was, was worse than, you know, regular season games. Um, definitely a bully. I don't believe that approach works could work now in this NBA because, you know, it's well, hold up. Kobe, environment. Hmm? Kobe did it. Huh? Kobe did it. No, that's Kobe's. Kobe's a different area era than where they are right now. Kobe. He grew up in that area. So he grew it, up in that era. And when he was at the tail end, that was sort of like the, the kind of the tapering off of that kind of, of that league. It was already declining in like the last two or three years of his, you know, when he was playing. But like that kind of style now with Mike, more so Mike than Kobe, but Mike now, I don't think that that would fly because too many of the kids that came up now have been coddled more so than how when we grew up, you weren't coddled. You know, you, you know, either you did your job or you got, you know, you got screamed on. Now you can't do that with these kids now. So that kind of style of basketball, how narcissistic, you know, bullies, I don't think would, would fly per se. No, I don't think. I know it would. I was about to say that. <laughs> no, it, it wouldn't work now. Uh, I yeah yeah I agree with you guys. Uh, I mean, uh, I enjoy watching it. I can say at least this past Sunday, I managed to stay up for both episodes this time. Both, okay, cool. Yeah, yeah I didn't fall asleep. I'm proud of myself. <laughs> uh, but I, I really saw a side of Jordan that, you know what's crazy? Um, Jordan's an asshole, but Jordan was a daddy's boy. Oh, yeah, without question. And then when the, when the dad passed away and he adopted or he kind of took in the other, uh, uh, Mr. Joe or whatever he called him, as that fatherly figure to be by his side all the time, that, that, I would have never guessed that in a million years, considering he's that sort of an alpha male, but he still needed some older male figure to kind of be there to not guide him or tell him what to do, but I guess to be that that person you just kind of look at over your shoulder and be like, and he just go like, or, and then, you know, he makes his decisions on based on whatever. So I found that to be kind of intriguing, more so when you have a lot of these athletes that never really pay homage to their fathers the way that he kind of paid homage to his father was more so always, you know, pay homage to the mom for being that rock in the, uh, in the athlete's corner. So I, I thought that was really interesting. Yeah. Uh, I will say this. Um, like I said before, couldn't stand Michael Jordan from the jump. Um, I really, yeah, I really couldn't stand Michael Jordan back in those days. Um, but after watching The Last Dance, even though he was a bully, <laughs> I still res- I respect him um, a lot more than I did before. So uh, I, I'm not, I'm, I learned a lot. That's all I can say. Yes, in the last two parts of the series, and we're not, you know, promoting anything because we're not getting any kind of money over here, but the last two episodes are this weekend, and that'd be it. And I, as I agree, Ace, it's been a very fascinating, very entertaining um, docuseries. Um, even if there was sports going on, this would still have been a very entertaining series and definitely brought up a lot of conversation over the last couple of weeks about different, you know, topics that happened during this time in the NBA. But, you know, I'd be very interested to see how the last two um, episodes are. Yep. Um, I would love to see some shit spawn off from it, though. <laughs> well, I know it ain't going to happen, but that would be some some real interesting type of dynamic where you might think you might cause some fights. <laughs> like when he laughed at the glove, he's like, man, I ain't feel no gloves. We straight up just laughed at that nigga. It was like, man, get the hell up out of here. Who are you? <laughs> I will say this. Um, I thought Scotty was a, a biatch when he opted not to go into the game and let Tony Kukoc uh, take the last shot. And anybody can say, well, his play after that is, no, still a biatch. No, I lost a lot of respect for him. And I was a, a Scotty Pippen fan more than a, a Michael Jordan fan. But I, I lost a lot of respect for that. But, uh, okay. 
real quick, and I, I ain't trying to dwell on the whole Scotty thing, but Scotty always had to live in that and under the coat, you know, be on the coattail of Mike. Mm-hmm. And then he finally was able to be the team leader. Mm-hmm. Granted or not, he's probably not the best shooter. Tony was probably a better shooter. Mm-hmm. You still got to give it to your best player. And the best player, obviously, at that time was Scotty. So, yeah, he got in his feelings a little bit. You know what I'm saying? But the same, you know, in the same retrospect, you know, I, I, don't, I don't think that he, he's a biatch. I think that he screwed himself, yes, by his contract. But I still think you're a man. You're a human. You know what I'm saying? Like, I finally got out of the shadow. I'm finally leading the league. They say he had an MVP-type season that season. He did. And you trying to tell me as the MVP of the league, you can't trust me to take the last shot? Yeah, I'd be pissed too. No, I'm not saying – no, no, I'm not saying – I get that aspect of it. Don't get me wrong. But as – like, if you're the leader, even if they're telling you that I'm like, you need to pass the ball to such and such, if I'm a leader, I'm going to still take the shot myself. That's okay. the – that's the like, – I mean, I get it, the fact that they want a cool coach to take the shot, but I'm telling the coach, if that ball is coming to me, I'm taking the shot. Like all jokes aside, and if I don't get that shot taken, then I'm gonna, I'm not gonna, I'm gonna be in the game still, but I'm still gonna, after the end of the game, when the reporters come, I'm like, yeah, I felt as though I should have took that shot. I'm the leader, I've been doing, I'm playing, playing well, I felt as though that should have been me. I didn't get the ball, that's on the coach. Like that, you see people do, like players do that all the time, where they'll defer to the coaches to, hey, I don't know why I didn't get the ball, you have to talk to the coach, like stuff like that. Like, but you take yourself out of the game when you're, you know what I'm saying, when you're supposed to be the leader. If it's anybody else, that's one thing. But as a leader, and if I'm looking at you as a leader and you do something like that, I'm like, you ain't a leader because no leader would have done that. No leader would have said, I'm taking myself out of the game and pretty pout because that you wasn't knowing that you wasn't getting the ball. You can be in the game and say, you know what, I'm either going to take the ball from him and shoot it myself or I'm going to go to reporters after the game and say, hey, look, this is why I didn't get the ball. Coach did it. He, they, they didn't want to give me the ball. You got to ask the coach that. Defer it to the coach. Maybe next time they'll give me the ball this time. It didn't go through. Maybe next time they'll give it to me. Yeah, I agree. I mean, does he have a, did he have a right to be pissed about that? Yeah, he, of course. Absolutely. Of course. Um, but could he handled it a lot better? Yeah. He passed the ball in. Tony made the shot. That was a – that was an analytical choice. Yeah. That was a very analytical choice. And, uh, <laughs> made the shot based on yeah. what Phil said he can do and, and has done in the past. And it works. But like you said, Al, you pass the ball and he takes the shot. You win. You go into the game. Then you you go into the coach. And then you rip him a new asshole about that. Yeah, exactly. And then exactly. you go out to the, to the reporters and you vent your frustration. But you still be out there. Yeah. And, that, and that's the, and for, and like I said, looking from real quick, looking outside, looking in. If I'm looking at him and he's our leader, he's a leading scorer, he's doing all that, and I see that happening, I'm thinking to myself, well, if you like like this, then how can I trust you to lead us to another win if something else happened? If the coach gives the ball to me instead of Tony Ku coach. Are you going to complain about it? Are you going to cry about it? Are you going to go sit down and don't want to be in the last play? Like, those are things that will hurt the team going forward. You know, you lead by example. And if you do something like that, the rest of the people that follow you are going to be looking at you, like, second-guessing you. Like, you got you got to be better than that. Yeah. But that's one thing that I think will never – there'll always be a stain on his um, career and, and legacy is always going to be that one play, which, you know, will always be debatable. Correct. Um, but everybody, that's about our time tonight. Um, obviously, you know, even though in the world of sports has still been um, shut down for the most part up until this past weekend, we're all still patiently waiting for sports to return. Um, we also want it to be safe enough for not only the players, but the coaches and the staff and their family all involved. I want to see, you know, baseball as much as the next person, basketball as much as the next person, even football, even college football, which I do believe at the end of the day will be played in some form or fashion. Yeah. Um, but obviously 
um, safety and everybody's health is um, priority number one. And, um, you know, we will, like I said, we'll patiently wait until there's a league that can at least get started or restart um, sooner than later. Um, so with that being said, everybody, um, let it know where they can find you at. They can find me on Twitter at uh, CatDaddy1963. That's CatDaddy1963 on Twitter. And you can find me on Twitter and Instagram. I am Al Qualls. Twitter and Instagram, I am Al Qualls. And you can find me on Twitter, Snapchat, and the gram, um, J.E. Ross, number seven. Um, and as always, we want to appreciate everyone for um, tuning in, subscribing, and listening to us. And as always, peace, love, soul, and be safe out there. No TikTok? <laughs> I don't do TikTok. <laughs> okay. <laughs>